On this episode, Doctor Strange takes center stage as Josh Peterson, author of Vendetta Dark, and Diana Tierney from Wine, Women, and Words talk about the success of the movie and our hopes on where they go from there in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We also get into more superhero talk as Wonder Woman, Deadpool 2, and Flash all made headlines. We discuss what looks promising and what gives us great concern. Video games are also on deck with what we like and don't like about the growing business of remasters and which console will strike it big this holiday season. And is Call of Duty the greatest franchise of all time? We ponder that question in a classic game source, Round Table of Doom. It's a full plate for us today, so relax and listen in as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And hello, once again, it's the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, coming to you from a planetary cosmos far, far away, known as Pop Culture. But I'm here with my good friends. Let's start off with our, shall I say, the host, the hostess, the co hostess, the hostess. Co-hostess. With- the, co-hostess with the mostest. That, I like that. I know you're going to say that for uh, <laughs> the show. I just nicknamed the Triple W. It's Wine, Women, and Words. One of the best podcasts out there dealing with the literary world. Wine, Women, and Words podcast available now on YouTube and soon to be available in a whole bunch of other different fashions, audio-wise. But it's Diana Tierney. How are you? I am doing very well. How are you today? I am well. I'm, I'm primed. We're coming into the holiday season, so this is my favorite time of the year. Yes, for all the Christmas reasons and Thanksgiving reasons, of course, and family and friends gathering together. But for me, also as well, I'm a Black Friday dude. Uh, I love Black Friday. It's, it's kind of like my second holiday for me. It's just I love all the deals that goes out. I love all the interest that, that's in certain deals going in and out. So this month uh, especially is, is my time of year as far as me gauging an interest in, in what people are looking at and what people are interested in and also what the retailers are gearing up to, to have for specials this coming year. So I'm really looking forward to it. And also I have here, let's least, you know, not forget one of the most respected authors in the business today. He is the author of Vendetta Dark, which is now available on Amazon.com, and also the upcoming Congratulations. You suck. It's Josh Peterson. How are you, Josh? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You're making me blush here. <laughs> uh, well, I'm trying to come up with a, with a better and better promo for it each and every week. Um, I, and before we go into our topics, I'm going to start off with my plugs, but it's going to be a quick plugs for now. I uh, want to send, uh, first of all, our shout-out. Thank you so much for allowing us again each and every week, Monday nights on the Podcast Radio Network. We truly appreciate you, you thousands of you out there that are just so much, so interested and, and so big a part of the pop culture cosmos. We truly appreciate it. We also want to thank the people at the Tangent Bound Network. That Tangent Bound family has been great to us, uh, great responses from them as well. 
and the ESO Network. We want to say thank you for allowing us to be on the ESO Network. We are just so privileged to be on your network as well. Just recently added on there, and we're just glad to be a part of the ESO Network team. And, uh, you know, as far as if you have not been able to get a chance to hear us on those outlets, we're also on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, podcast.com, and, of course, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So with all that said and done, we're coming up right now on a big weekend. We're actually right in the middle of it as we speak. So Doctor Strange has come out, and after all the rhetoric and all the hoopla and all the controversy and all where does this fit in the Marvel Cinematic Universe has come, and all the stuff that I wrote about on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com and all the stuff that you wrote about too, Josh, on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com and also what you, Diana, have talked about on our previous podcast. Josh, you have actually seen the movie and Diana and I are, are envious of you at this moment. So without going into spoilers or else you're going to hear me say, la, la, I, I, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. So without me going into that, tell us, what were your thoughts on Doctor Strange? I loved it. I liked it for the fact that you know, they were right. It it doesn't fit into the Marvel universe, at least not until like the the end credit scene. But it it could it was like Ant Man. It could stand completely on its own. You didn't have to have any backstory. It, it wasn't like caught up in all of the events of like the Avengers or Iron Man, all those other films. You could watch it without having seen any of those things, and it would have been and it's still an enjoyable movie. It took all the greatest stuff about the comic books, and it was all there for you, Sim- simplified. Diana, did you have a question for Josh? No, I, I don't. I just I think that's really cool that it's you know can stand on its own. Uh, how are the special effects in it though? The special effects are good. They're I mean they're they would be a nightmare for anyone who had to put them together, but they were it was a visual feast. It was like watching Inception, but it was better. So yeah, that's one one thing I wanted to ask because there's been since the first commercials came out. There's been such a, a a similarity contest between Doctor Strange and also Inception. Um, you've talked about that that there's are, are differences within it, but they used to seem to be seemingly on the surface use the same technology. Tell us what exactly is so different about Doctor Strange, and how does it take it to that next level than what Inception did? Uh, honestly, it's different concepts, different parts of the story, doing. Uh... All different moving pieces because in Inception it's more of a a dream world. Now, a lot of it was done with uh, like practically, so all like the spinning rooms and all that stuff. But with this one, it's more. Uh, I mean, I don't want. I can get into like the technical stuff. A lot of rotoscoping, which is kind of you know taking people and moving them along, like the special feature, uh, not the special features, but the uh, the special effects. They pre-render them and put the people in them, but. Uh, this was this was is is a lot different. Like you didn't have instead of having like um, they really just did a lot of like certain parts of, of buildings like moving because what when they show all that stuff moving together, it takes place in a different universe. So Inception did it in a dream world. Doctor Strange does it in a essentially essentially a different plane of existence. Now, when we're talking about uh, Doctor Strange, one has to go into pretty much a lot of detail in regards to the characters. Uh, some of which were thought of in a controversial fashion because they were not represented exactly 100% with the comic books. 
And you and I have had spoken into great detail in regards in past discussions, both available on the Game Source and the Pop Culture Cosmos podcast, regarding uh, it, maybe you know Marvel going in different directions as far as choices of ethnicity or things of that nature. Tell us, were these good choices? Were these well done uh, as far as the execution end is concerned? Tell us in detail about you know the other characters in the story that may or may not have fit the mold to a T in this comic book venture. Uh, well, you have the Ancient One, and you have Mordo, and, you know, this, with all the mysticism stuff, naturally these characters are all started out, you know, Asian, but it's, uh, I, honestly, I, I didn't care. Like, I, I liked it. They played the part. I think if the actors can handle the roles really well, then it's not really a huge problem for me, but I... You know, like I said, I, I enjoyed it. I thought they, they played the parts really well, and they there's a lot of uh, great chemistry among the cast, and I, it was it was great. So is there anything about Doctor Strange that you see might be a roadblock for the MCU in the future as far as... Because I, I, I get the feeling from a lot of people that the movie itself was, was a very strong representation as far as an origin story is concerned, but it's something that may not be a chain of movies in and of itself, and that may that may may have Doctor Strange be a part of just other movies going forward. Is that something that you see happening, or do you still see Doctor Strange being played out over the course of two, three movies? See, it's hard for me to answer that question without getting into spoilers. But it, there's there's not Doctor Strange is a weird comic book in in the sense that there's not really a lot of meat to it. Like there, Doctor Strange is cool because he can uh, coincide with all of the other, all of the other Marvel heroes. And it's not like that big a deal. You're like, there's, you know, just the, uh, the new, the West coast Avengers, the new Avengers, like he just appears at these times when they need him and he's just, it, it flows so well. So yeah, he can keep doing his own stand uh, standalone movies. Cause obviously, you know, Dormammu is like huge, huge baddie, but um, you know, I don't, I don't see a problem. I mean, I don't see them not being able to carry on another movie. You might not have like the the explosions and the act, a lot of the action sequences that movies like Avengers, Iron Man, Captain America has, but it still it has an interesting story. And it, you know, make sure you stay for the end credit scenes, and you'll see that your own question will be answered. Fair enough on that, Diana. Did you want to chime in with any of your thoughts on it? Did you have any questions now? Maybe some of some some maybe a slant different take on for Josh on on what his thoughts on, on the movie are? Not particularly. He seems to answer a lot of it, and I feel like I need to watch the movie itself, and I'm not as familiar with the comics as you guys are. Um, so I think I need to watch the movie first before I have more questions and comments and things, because I am really curious about Rachel McAdams' character. I mean, how she stacks up with the other females within the Marvel Universe, like with Jane and stuff. Um, but that's my own little feminist corner off the market, I guess you could say. Well, that's actually a good point because often that type of character, and correct me if I'm wrong, Diana, but that type of character in previous films, or this even this film could have been treated as, for lack of a better term, a, a, a quote-unquote throwaway uh, type character. As far yeah, as she that's can be reactionary, fully reactionary to him, or she can be standalone and have her own kind of ideals, ideals when it comes to what she wants and things. So I'm really curious how they're going to portray that. Exactly. And that's, that's what I'm hoping for as well. Some, what you were talking about too, Josh, about having, uh, you know, as far as a real meat in, in, in all of the characters, as far as a flesh, 
fleshed out backstory and things of that nature to them and, and something going forward that we can look forward to. And they're just not, okay, they're there um, as a plot device and nothing more. What about Rachel McAdams' character in the movie? Because that, like I said, that's something that, that, that in many movies pre- prior, that's either done really, really well and is vital going forward or character that's just, you know, not very important to the story going forward. She, she was a vital part of the plot. Like without her character, they wouldn't have been able to move the story in the direction that it did. Oh, that's good. That's good. And to hear. What I really liked about it was that, you know, most of the, the women in the Marvel universe, they, they're, they're sex objects. A lot of them are treated as sex objects and that's Rachel McAdams. She was, she was strong. Like she wasn't a sex object. They alluded to like a past romance with her and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, but they, there wasn't any, like he wasn't pursuing her or anything. She wasn't wearing like tight clothing. She was, she was her own person. And that was kind of cool to see that happen. As far as Wong's character, as you and I go well into that previously, as far as Wong and what he was portrayed at initially within the comic book universe of Dr. Strange, how was he portrayed at here, and do you think it was a, a strong and viable character going forward? Oh, Wong! Wong was hilarious. Um, do you, I don't know if you watch, if you ever saw Marco Polo on Netflix. Wong is played by uh, Genghis uh, Kublai Khan, so it, it was weird seeing him in a different setting than you know. But his last, his real last name is Wong. Yes, so. correct, correct. But he was he was fine. Like he was the. They, though they didn't try to make him that way, he was the comedic relief, whether he liked it or not. He was he was a really funny character. But is he viable enough to going forward? Because the Wong, uh, Wong in the comic book series, to the best of my knowledge, became more than what he was originally set out to be, and became uh, an equal, an ally, uh, even though even through bitter struggles and a bitter death. Comic book spoiler, sorry, but being generalistic. Not movie stories, just comic book story, but through a better death. First, they were they were, they were friends. Then, but then it became a uh, uh, you know situation where they were enemies. But then it became a situation where they were aligned again. Is that something that you could see going forward from the movie that you think might be portrayed uh, in a favorable fashion? Yeah, I mean, what I always liked about Doctor Strange and Wong is that they kind of remind me of the relationship between Batman and Nightwing. So they'll like. You know, they have that partnership there, but they're occasionally enemies with each They occasionally hate each other. Not enemies, but they don't like each other. Wong in Doctor Strange, he, I, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a strong character, and they totally set him up to go the direction the comic books do. I think I want to go into the, you know, the, the biggest question of all. As an origin story, where does this rank as compared to the Thor, the Captain America, the Iron Man, even the Guardians of the Galaxy origin stories, as far as Ant Man, as far as that's concerned, uh, I would. Am I forgetting I, anyone else? I I don't think I am. No, I would rank it in the top three, honestly. Like if I had to rank them, I'd be for me it'd be Iron Man, and then it would be Doctor Strange, and then I have to stick with Ant Man. It's always going to be one of my favorites. That's high praise indeed. It's Doctor Strange. Looks like it's going to close out at an 80 million plus weekend. A very, very strong start. It's believe it's well ahead of the be the Thor and also the Captain America and the Ant Man initial 
box office return. So that that's a very strong indication indeed. Just like Ant-Man. Uh, everybody was unsure of exactly people's knowledge, people's familiarity with the character, and they're just trusting and putting their faith and trust in Marvel and Disney. Do you get a sense that's what, what casual audiences are doing? Yeah, yeah. It's they're they're just kind of along for the ride. So they don't really have a choice, but uh, so far their ch- choices have been okay. I'm sorry, Diane. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say Marvel's got a formula that works. Um, we can bash it all we want when it comes to their trademark villains, but it's a formula. It works. It gets them the money. It gets them the people. And they have a very distinct sound and a deep, distinct voice when it comes to the movie world that clearly resonates with people. Josh, you recommend the film, Doctor Strange, to everybody out there, Marvel and non-Marvel fans alike? I sure do. It's it's a great film. Honestly, If, if you just if, it's like Guardians of the Galaxy. If you want to go and just be entertained, you don't want to, like, have to have all this backstory, go and see it. It's it's a perfect movie for that. But it's it's worth watching. Fair enough indeed. And so it looks like it's gonna be a big win again for Marvel as we head even closer to the Infinity Wars, which oh I just cannot wait. As a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan, I just cannot wait for that film to come on the air. But that's the problem. We're our anticipation for that film grows bigger and bigger by the day and I'm just hoping that that it will meet those expectations because for for a lot of people they will be grand indeed. I know the three of us here will have like the huge expectations for that film once it finally comes out, and and I'm just hoping it will at least try to do what it can to meet them because you know all that's been been expected of that. But it's Doctor Strange. It's hitting big. It's out in theaters, and it's got a big thumbs up. Josh, can we expect uh, some type of review on the site? going forward or yes uh this week sometime sounds good and that'll be on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com along with all the other great things that are out there diana <laughs> what are your thoughts on the new wonder woman movie coming up do you think this is um, going to be a positive direction for the dc I universe i think it is i think it's going to be a positive direction for movies in general not just dc you have the strong female action lead that you don't really see that often outside of the zombie apocalypse genres really and I'm just going to love it because I love historical fiction and it's historical fiction meets superheroes. So it's like the best of both worlds for me, which is just, I'm going to be in heaven. It, but, looks, it just looks very, it looks very well done. It looks yeah. like it's, it's very simplistic as far as the storyline is concerned, but it looks very grand in scope. Uh, it looks very, you know, dealing with the world war one issue, uh, dealing with the, with the bigger it, issues there and, and the questions remain, because we already know some of the answers from BVS. Why did she go away for all these years? So what exactly are the events that, that caused her to go back into hiding? Exactly. And what this is, you know, speaking of DC's uh, embracement of it being dark, it's the perfect setting for DC for World War One, where it's a war. It shouldn't be bright and poppy. It should be, it should be dark and mellow. And I love the fact that they're putting it in there and, to expand um, the Wonder Woman universe, and it's going to take it from the old school setting, the Linda Carter setting, which is fantastic in its own right. But it'll bring it up into something a little bit more mature, I think. Because I yeah. don't, I don't think it can go back to that campy realm of the '70s, the '80s, and even the '90s for for the mm-hmm. DC films are concerned. Josh, what are your thoughts on the Wonder Woman trailer? Uh, if you get a chance to see it, and 
And then what are your thoughts as far as where this series of films for the DC universe can go, provided they get everything worked out with the flash, of course, because they've lost, you know, they lost a director recently. So who knows where that's going to go from there after justice league. Uh, I did see the trailer and it looks great. It looks epic. Like I, I'm seeing a lot of kind of like 300 style vibe to it with that, the same like uh, large scope of Batman versus Superman, but hopefully a little better written. Less, um, li- less limbs being chopped off, maybe. Less limbs being... I, I mean, I don't know. Did you ever watch the extended cut of Batman vs. Superman? It kind of changed the game a little bit. Uh, indeed, it did. Indeed, it did. But that, that was a different story there. I think if you want to maintain that PG-13 rating, you can't really go as far as Gerard Butler did in 300. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think you, you mentioned The Flash. I think that DC... Their biggest downfall is the fact that they're that they're you know their people their higher ups ha- want to keep such a grasp on these uh, these heroes that a lot of them my fear is that a lot of them don't actually read the comic books but they want to do they're they're doing research into what audiences like to see what uh, what entertains and they they put it into these movies and then they execute it wrong and that's the problem I think that's why all these directors keep walking away from these movies. And they've got to be really careful with The Flash, too, because it's also a television series. Television fans are going to come into the movie, I think, expecting it to be at least somewhat similar to the feel of the movie. They're going to be compared, so that's, they're going to have to be careful on that. Yeah, because The Flash, I mean, they already they said that the DC movies and the television shows exist in a multiverse. So they're, they're connected, but they're not connected. But at the same time, like, you can't take the dark tone of Batman and put it into a movie like The Flash because The Flash is funny. He's supposed to be funny. He's he's quick-witted and that he's he's a more lighthearted character. So that I, I'm really interested to see how they go forward with that. And isn't that why the director ended up leaving? Uh, from what I heard, I only heard a little bit about why he ended up leaving. He, they weren't going in the direction that he wanted to go, and I think he wanted to go more of that campy, comedic direction. The beloved creative differences that seem to be the always excuse, which ironically was the same excuse for, yeah, that's just what I was going to say. It's funny, Diana and and Josh, how we are getting different vibes because we see now Flash with the director leaving because of creative differences in a bit of a quandary now and a very uncertain future, yet we do not hold that same type of um, concern because of Deadpool 2 because Ryan Reynolds is still obviously attached to the project and it's hit pretty much his baby. Um, Josh, your thoughts on that and, and why there's such a difference of opinion? Uh, as far as Deadpool goes? I've... Well, well, because both have lost their directors in a matter, matter of days between each other, but yet nobody seems to be concerned that this happened in Deadpool 2. Deadpool without Tim Miller worries me, to be completely honest with you. I think that Tim Miller was the only person to keep Ryan Reynolds from going from that R rating up to like, you know, whatever comes next uh, with, with Tim Miller gone. Cause Ryan Reynolds, he's all about fart jokes. Like that. I mean, that's, that's, that's his calling card. And uh, whereas Tim Miller wanted to progress the story, he wanted to take Deadpool and show like, what's cool about Deadpool, show us his university exists and show us how he coincides with all these other great X-Men characters. But I, my concern is that Ryan Reynolds doesn't want to move beyond the, raunchiness of Deadpool and to, you know, give him a little more character development. I think he's stuck on what made the first movie, what audiences liked about the first movie. So what are your concerns, Diana, with 
Do you share the same concerns with Josh in regards to both the Flash and Deadpool 2 in regards to their future because both have lost their directors? I didn't have those uh, fears about Deadpool until Josh started bringing them up. I was thinking, okay, Ryan Reynolds is still going to be involved and it's still going to be that have that same feel. But now when he brought up all those things, I'm like, is the story going to go to hell now? So, yeah, now I'm just about as afraid as Josh is. So, thanks, Josh. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, are you going to get to Van Wilder or are you going to get Waiting? Um, oh, jeez. I liked Waiting. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I did too. I, I can relate to that movie quite a bit. Fair enough, indeed. Um, <laughs> so that's enough of Ryan Reynolds' raunchiness for right now. But if you have an opinion and thoughts on, well, obviously the – Doctor Strange movie, which we would love to hear from you, or also as well the issues with Deadpool 2, the upcoming Flash movie, your thoughts on the Wonder Woman trailer that just came out, or anything on the pop culture or film scene, just give us a shout out. We're available, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, at Pop Culture Cosmo, because Twitter won't give us that final S, at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter, or you can email us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. I'm throwing up uh, here in the next few days for all those people who are interested in Black Friday and all the ads that are out there. Like I mentioned earlier, Black Friday is coming up, the holiday season shopping guide. I'm going to send out and put the latest and greatest as far as who is doing what ads of all the big names or as many big names as I can get crewed into one place so that you can go and take a look at all the ads or you can get all the latest information on what's going to be available this Black Friday season. So when we come back, we're going to be talking some remasters. And exactly, do we like them? Do we not like them? Which are the best? And which are some games that we would like to see in a remastered form? Coming up right after the break, this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. What's up, guys? It's Rob McCallum, host of The Trenches. If you don't know what that is, well, I'm going to tell you. Every now and then I call up friends, colleagues, and sometimes people I don't even know and chat with them for an hour or so. It's all unscripted, unedited, and unpredictable. Why should you care? Well, if you're a creative person like me, you'll get to hear unbelievable and incredible stories because the one through line that connects all my guests is that they make their living doing something creative in the trenches. Get it? So from filmmakers to animators to action figure sculptors and authors, we talk with a lot of folks, and no one has the same story. So check out The Trenches here on the Pop Culture Cosmos or on iTunes. And we're back here at Pop Culture Cosmos. Just want to give some love to all the great, great entities and the great people that are out there that gives us a hand each and every week in helping create the Pop Culture Cosmos. Our good friend Rob McCallum. Check out his site, robmccallumfilms.com, for all the latest info on all of his projects that are available. The He-Man documentary, Box Art, the docuseries, the Kitty documentary, and all the other great stuff that he has available. And even some things like Nintendo Quest, the hit documentary from last year, and the Nintendo Quest Power Tour, which you can download and view today. It's robmccallumfilms.com. Retro City Games, if you are in the Southern Nevada area, or if you want to just have a question on the world of gaming as far as they have something available, what price it may be at, check out Retro City Games on Facebook, or if you are in the Las Vegas and Henderson area, Southern Nevada, check them out. They are available. 
Retro City Games in Henderson, or if you want to just send them a message because they get dozens and dozens and dozens each day of messages people asking, and they are very courteous and very receptive to answering all those questions. It is Retro City Games on Facebook. Nicole and Doug are awesome and trying to do what they can to make sure that they stay at the center of the gaming universe. Speaking of gaming, there's also our good friends at Mario Party Wars. Uh, Good friends, Mario Party Wars. Check them out, Mario Party Wars at Facebook.com. See all their stuff on Twitch, and they get together and they play not only just Mario Party itself, but also they have a lot of stuff that goes on with Overwatch, board gaming. They keep up to date on that. If you're looking for a great place to go for not just niche gaming, but a really fun gaming scene, check out Mario Party Wars at Facebook. And at least I not forget the lovely ladies, again, from Wine, Women, and Words. Their podcast is available on YouTube, on the YouTube channel, Wine, Women, and Words. It's a great podcast. Check it out. They have special guest authors. They've got Josh coming up in the near future. So hopefully all goes well. It's a great podcast. Hear Michelle and Diana each and every week talking about the literary world in wine, movement, and words. And for the latest in gaming news and information, it's Game Source on Facebook. Check it out Game Source on Facebook and at Game Source on Twitter. We post hundreds of articles each and every week, as far as from the video game scene, news and information where you need to go. Check out Game Source on Facebook and at Game Source on Twitter. And since we all are gamers and we love gaming, one of the things that has, I don't want to say it's been, it's new, but it's highly popularized since the new wave of consoles has come in. Let's talk about remasters, HD makeups, HD uh, redefinitions, whatever you want to call it. Let's talk about, is there too many of them? Is there not enough of them? What games are you know, that, that you really think are, are really have been a good additions as far as a remastered concern. And what were some, what are some games that you would like to see down the road in the near future, hopefully being remade? So um, I will start the conversation with Diana and Diana. I know there's, there's uh, been a lot of hearsay back and forth uh, for all intents and purposes. We all know what it is. It's a lot of, for all they could, they could tell these, these publishers and, and, Whatnot, the development studios, they can all tell you it's because they love the games and they love the, the gamers that, that, that play them and they, and they do this as fan service. It's a cash grab. Shh. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. I, I just like baseballs with all this stuff. It's merchandising. Yes, but it, as someone who does like the occasional remaster, I don't mind. But your thoughts, Diana, on exactly what, what these remasters have meant to you on these new gaming platforms. Um, well, a lot of them is just how can we make more money? How can we make money off of people that there's something that they already like? Um, I think it was, I think it's a product of the Xbox One not being backwards compatible. People wanting to play the games on the Xbox One and they can't. So we just, they remaster them. When, with the PlayStation service, there is a PlayStation Now, which you can buy on a monthly basis, which gives you access to hundreds of PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3 games that have not really been rendered that much better, but it, a lot of the, the core games and the key games have not been added in there. So a lot of people are not exactly thrilled with the PlayStation now concept. They think it's too pricey and they don't get enough out of it. I know that a lot of the remasters that have also gone to the Xbox one also have come to the PlayStation four. 
So, you know, if let's say like Josh had his Skyrim, he's got a Skyrim that, that he just got the recently that is also available on the PlayStation four, very similar as far as the output is concerned. So I think that's probably the best way I can say it. They do have a somewhat of a backwards compatibility, but of course, again, you, it's not free and you have to pay for it. So, but Diana, your thoughts again on exactly everything going on with remasters. It's like with the movies where they've been done before. Do you really need to remaster them? Like uh, Saints Row. I, I, I might step on some toes, but Halo. Do we really need another Halo? Apparently this is going to be what? Isn't it like Sergeant Master Story or something like that that they're going to be getting into? Well, they, they did the Master Chief Collection and that they remastered, I think, all, all but one of the... They remastered one, two, and I think touched up three and four in certain aspects to make an entire one collection for the Xbox One. And and obviously upon launch, I, I'm sure you probably heard all the, the issues as far as from a multiplayer standpoint with the game. Um, and Josh and I had recently talked about how a uh, year plus later, they have fixed a lot of those elements. But by the time that's the case, a lot of the people that were playing in the community have left. So, but it is, you're right, maybe it wasn't exactly needed, but uh, in my case, for me, now that I go back to it, it's a much better experience, but it reminds me, of better times for Halo because of the mixed signals I got from Halo 5. Um, I know the Uncharted collection for me is also a high point because I love the Uncharted series so much. I know that the, you know, it's not exactly a got to have, but if you have not played the Uncharted series before Uncharted 4, I highly recommend it because from a storytelling standpoint, there is no better video game series out there that tells better stories than the Uncharted series. Uh, the Last of Us, I know The Last of Us came late in the uh, console series, but I know The Last of Us Remastered, which just got recently upgraded to a PS4 Pro status. So when that comes out you know, next week and the PS4 Pros, that's going to be coming out very soon. Like I said, that will be also uh, something that I may recommend to people if they can get it at a very discounted price because uh, The Last of Us always stands out and looks even better now. Josh, you recently got your hands on Skyrim, like I said. So what are your thoughts on some of the remasters that are out there? And is it something that that maybe somebody might want to look more into as far as getting more of their library added? Or is it something that, you know, like I said, it's just as Diana and I both agreed upon that they're both cash grabs. Uh, First of all, when we were talking about Halo, it's funny. I ask people about the Master Chief collection. I say, why do you like, do, do you really care that the graphics are upgraded? And a lot of them say, no, I like it because I don't have to keep getting up to change the disc to play something else. So, <laughs> um, but I, as far as remasters go, I'm kind of torn on it. I think that myself, like so many other people, we like the idea of being able to play something in in HD. Like for me, like Skyrim, I, when I was done playing, I was like, that game just totally ruined my life. And then I heard they're making a remaster. I'm like, okay, that, that might be something I want to play. But it, it, it's really, once you get past the, the nostalgia, you know, you, eventually you stop noticing how good the, the upgraded graphics are, and then it's just, you know, it's the same game you played before, the same frustration, the same holes in the wall from the controller you threw at it, and it's really just, it's it's the same exact thing that you, can, that you played before, just all the frustration that comes with it. So, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, the, the controllers cost me more money than the video game. Yeah, there, there are some HD remasters I I guess I wouldn't mind playing, like Mass Effect, but 
as, as far as like all these new ones are coming out, like the Assassin's Creed 2, the Ezio collection, I was, I like those games, but not enough to go play them again. Same thing with like Devil May Cry, um, you know, Bioshock, all, all these games. I just, I wouldn't, if they're going to do these remasters, make them cheaper. Like I don't want to pay $60 for something that I can go buy all three of the originals for like 10 bucks a pop. That, that's my biggest thing with them. I couldn't agree with you more on that, and I think this holiday, a lot of those remasters will be at a much lower price, so I think now's the time that, that people may get interested in buying those, because I think that's going to be the Black Friday ads and the holiday ads of you know these games, certain set of games, maybe at 15 at a $20 price tag or whatnot. And I think a lot of those remasters may fall in that category. Uh, Diana, Josh, and I uh, both agreed on something which might be rare. Uh, that the Mass Effect would probably be the key number one series for us that we would hope to be remade. For me, it'd probably be the Left 4 Dead series. But your thoughts on a series that you would like to see remastered and if you think this actually will, you know, that your choice will actually come to fruition, you think it's going to be realistic for for a company to go ahead and do such a thing on that that particular title that you're looking at? Um. You know, when it comes to the remasters, I don't particularly care if they're redone in HD format, because like Josh said, it's the same game over again. There's very few games. Once I'm finished with the game, I'm done with it. Um, there's only two that I can think of that I've gone back and played, which is Bioshock and uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. I played that like two or three times. But with that being said, though, I love Bioshock. Absolutely love it. That's That was totally my game. Loved it to death. I would love to see that come back. I would love another chapter. Don't give me a remaster. Just give me another chapter in the story. I would really, really love that. Well, the remasters are already out and available. And so, I, like I said, I think that if you ever want to get back into it again, I think you will be finding it at an attractive price because I think that's going to be one that, that retailers will be focusing on. Yeah, I haven't been paying attention to it. And I still have my Xbox that that it came out on. So I still have it. I still have the game. So it's, right now it's a matter of what's the point. Save the money, buy a new game that's coming out. Um, I don't even want to spend the 10 to $15 on it being renewed so I can so I can play it on my Xbox One on the big TV. That's my real take on the, the Masters. Is I just I don't want to spend the money on it. And I don't blame you for that at all. Um <laughs> But I know one of the games that Josh doesn't like to talk about very much, Call of Duty, Infinite Warfare, which just recently came out. A lot of people were actually more excited as far as the attachment on the special edition, which came out with Call of Duty Modern Warfare, a remastered version, which a lot of people were really going gaga over because they wanted to delve back into that world and that multiplayer because it tells such a great story. I think eventually it will be sold as a separate product. I think it's just going to take time for Activision to do it. Is there a game outside the Mass Effect series you'd like to see remade, Josh? Mass Effect for both of us, and I said of the Left 4 Dead series, I'd like to see that can always use a refreshing just because of the frame issues that it has because of so much happening on screen at one time. But is there is there something that, that you would like to see? I would like to see Dead Space remade. I don't necessarily know if I would play it, but I would really love to have the option of playing that series again because it scared the crap out of me, and I loved every second of it. Uh, that's actually an excellent choice. And yeah, I think that for a, a setting could be enhanced to the point where it might actually be attractive for a lot of people to buy, especially if they group it in three. 
you know, the whole entire series together and be able to make it into a package that people that avoided the series in the past may want to get at that point in time. So there are a lot of good choices. Uh, the remastered issue, it's, it's, a, it's a touchy issue with people that are, you know, somewhat on the no fence, like Diana and people like Josh, who are, you know, actually proof is in the pudding right there. And he's got, got it sitting on his desk right there with uh, Skyrim. There you go. He's holding it right there. He's on the other side. And me, who just wants to see good titles, but yes, I do like a remastered every now and then because I, I don't keep my collections, uh, my older games or whatnot. I, I, if they have a tendency to gather dust, I, I kind of go ahead and trade them in with some value, mostly to Retro City Games. Uh, give them a big shout out because they always give fair prices, at least in my opinion. But they've always been good to me. So I, I usually just go ahead and if I ever want to delve back into those worlds, look for a better better quality and remaster. But that's just me. I know you guys have, and gals have got opinions out there. And if you do, please send us a shout out on Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmos, or also as well on Twitter at Pop Culture Cosmo. If you really want to get a chance to talk to us as well, you can send us an email, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But up next, it's a blast from the past as the guys from GameSource answer the big question. Is Call of Duty the greatest franchise of all time? We share our thoughts coming up in this classic episode of the Round Table of Doom. Coming up right after the break, this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's time for more sarcasm, more gloating, more pop culture BS, and ridiculous video game chat as GamerCast returns for Season 2. My name is Rob McCallum, and this year, once again, I'm joined by Mr. Glenn Stanway and my lifelong friend, Jay Bartlett. This year, the show moves to a slightly different format, favoring a more unedited adventure that lets us include more topics as we get together once a month to vent and celebrate everything going on in the gaming industry today and yesteryear. So if you like the idea of arguing with us, though we'll never be able to hear you, then you definitely want to check out GamerCast. Season 2 is really going to take it up a notch. That's GamerCast here on the PCC, the Pop Culture Cosmos, on iTunes, and on Podbean. The Round Table of Doom. Chris? Would you do the honor, sir? Oh, I will. Uh, I believe it is time for the round table of doom. <laughs> you, do that, you do that good every time, man. Um, so on that on that token, um, like we were kind of a uh, like we were kind of like we had an in depth discussion earlier on Activision. Activision. Um, Sniptology. Um, they shall doom us all. From uh, Call of Duty Land, um, Infinity Ward announces a new face-off mode. <laughs> Anyone surprised by that? For uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, while Treyarch, in announcing Call of Duty Black Ops 2, will add a mode called Strike Force. With all of these new uh, various modes being added in the uh, new iteration yearly uh, again with uh, nearly 40 million active users every month um, as April 30th as of April 30th 2012 
more than 10 million gamers. That's right, folks. 10 million gamers have registered for the Call of Duty of Elite. Um, including more than 2 million premium annual memberships, the company has sold uh, for online service. With all this incredible data backing up these substantial numbers, is Call of Duty, not in my opinion anyway, but is Call of Duty the greatest video game series of all time? By numbers. By numbers alone. We're not oh, talking period. about Period. Period. It's period. And do you well, put it in the realm of the Mario series, of no, uh, Final Fantasy series? You know, that that's something we, everybody should discuss. I think Call of Duty should burn a fiery death. And eventually it will, like every other game has, and exactly. soon will. Except what? Oh no, I said exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking oh. too. It's it's Oh yeah. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. But as far as right now, this game, it's done so well for sales. It's done so so well as far as uh, customer satisfaction. Even if you're the 1% who hates it, you got to realize there's 99% of other people that love this game and are addicted to it. And it, it appeals to them. Even though it's so simple of a game. If it was so simple, why didn't everyone else think of that uh, 10 years ago? It, it's just perfect for the time that it's come out on. Uh, with everything that they release, one new game mode here, one new expansion with the Elite Pack here, uh, those little bitty things to increase their profit another 50 bucks. And these guys are multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar companies, if anything, uh, from their entire series. So I would say Activision, Treyarch, Infinity War, this, this combination that makes Call of Duty, Call of Duty uh, is pretty much hands down the best game that has come out whether you like it or not well um, I will say based on statistics not because I actually like the game because I don't um, based on statistics Call of Duty obviously um, makes a very significant impact and also is a a significant competitor to any other game that has ever come out on the market. That's Mass Effect 3 and all those other good ones we like. Um, I, I don't know if I would place it in the video game series of all time. I I don't think I would place it as the greatest video game series of all time. However, um, I statistically would say it's it's certainly uh, certainly up there. just because I refuse to say that it is. Yeah, but you have to give it its respect that it is... Like, I said it far, was up in the top. That's respect it, enough. No but, no, but I'm saying it's by far the most profitable game that has ever come out, and it's probably the best satisfactory game uh, that has ever come out. It I is. Mean, I agree. It is one of the most profitable games that have come out. I will say that much, but that's it. Okay. And with it coming out every year, you think about it, you sell another... 10 million copies and you sell them at $60 a piece when you know people are going to buy it that's easy it's easy money right there yeah do it again do it again 365 days later although hopefully at this at this year's show they turn down the uh, volume a little bit because I almost went deaf with the last Call of Duty uh, um, presentation they had at E3 you were I, I can't believe you were sitting in there Chris 
That's because I love the sound. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how you're not deaf. I I was just so intoxicated by that sound. <laughs> it was so beautiful to hear it all. <laughs> Jamie, what are your thoughts on and, this? And then I and then I heard nothing for the next two days. <laughs> just a constant ringing. Yeah. But I mean, if we have to go, you've got to go by the numbers. The numbers do not lie. The numbers don't lie. I mean, it's it's obviously it's it's up there. It's. I, I have to agree with Nick, though. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I am all over Call of Duty, but I can't say of all time it's the greatest because, I mean, honestly, who knows? They every 365 days they do do this, but who knows in 365 days if there's not something that comes popping up that they go, oh, oops. And now Call of Duty became an afterthought because of something else. So, I mean, of all time, I'm not going to say of all time, but is it one of the greatest video game series that obviously has definitely left its mark? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, but what, think about this. I mean, I've asked some people, uh, have you ever heard of the game Halo? And a lot of people say, yeah. And I've asked, have you heard of Mario? And a lot of people say, yeah. But I have not asked, I have not heard a no from the question, have you heard of Call of Duty? And I'm talking about, I've asked people in their 70s, I've asked kids at four and five years old, I, I've asked a whole range of, of things. And I mean, with that kind of popularity, you have to say that this game, I'm not, I'm not going to convince you that it's number one, even though it is in my book. Uh, and, and if you know me at all, I'm the biggest Gears of War fan in this world. Uh, if I could, I'd get a tattoo of, of a Gears of War emblem on my face, but it'd look <laughs> a little weird. Um, you can, though. I can. Mike Tyson has. That's like a, Does he really? a birthmark. To, it's not Gears of War, but... Oh. <laughs> take, take us to a break. All right. <laughs> break. <laughs> To hear more of Chris, Jamie, Bryce, Angry Nick, and all of the great Game Store staffers in over our 150 awesome episodes, check out the Game Source podcast today on iTunes, Google Play, and Podcasts.com. And when we return, we will close the show by talking about which gaming system might be having the best of times this holiday season and which one might be ending up the Grinch for the Yuletide season coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.com. Dot wordpress.com and we're back here for our final segment in pop culture cosmos once again i'm gerald glassford coming to you from pop culture cosmos and game source if you get a chance check us out every monday night 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific on the podcast radio network we're also available on the eso network and the tangent bound network if you also get a chance you can Automatically download the show today, which is available on Stitcher, which is also available on Google Play. iTunes, you can subscribe to us there and leave us that wonderful five-star rating, hopefully, if you like us. 
And then also as well, you can catch us on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com or home at podcast.com. So our last deal right here with Diana Tierney of Wine, Women, and Words, the triple W, and also as well, Mr. Josh Peterson, the man, the myth, the legend himself, and the auteur of Vendetta Dark. So I ask you both, what are your thoughts this holiday season? I have thought before on consoles that that last year I thought Xbox One was really going to make out as far as a strong holiday season. And I thought they really had the edge on price. And I really thought people were going to go for price. But ultimately, the PlayStation 4 still came out and still won out until recently when Xbox One has, has overcome that issue in the past three months. Your thoughts now that the Xbox One S is now in the wild and the PS4 Pro at the time this airs will be just right on the doorstep of being released. So, Diana, your thoughts on exactly which major console will be sold at a premium and why this holiday season? You know, I'm thinking that as much as I hate to say it because I'm an Xbox girl, I think the um, the PS4 uh, Pro is going to win out. I mean, when I, when I heard that the Xbox you know, One S was coming out, I was like, really, another one already? I, I have my Xbox One. I still have a working Xbox 360. I'm not ready to trade out my Xbox One. I don't know if there's more in-depth gamers who might want to trade out their Xbox Ones because we all pretty much bought the Xbox One after it came out. Um, I don't know that many people who actually sat out and said, "Ah, I don't know if I want to get it. So I don't know. It just kind of feels like it's too soon for another console. Well, I know for me, and I know for you know, buddy. Yes, yes. Uh, well, no, 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 you're not. No, you're not at all. Because this fuddy duddy here, this fuddy duddy here has the old Xbox One, and I don't see a need for me to upgrade as well until I get a 4K TV. Josh, what are your thoughts on the uh, console battle this holiday season? Everybody keeps talking about 4K technology, and it's what people don't realize about gamers is that gamers they don't really like. Yeah, that stuff's cool, like maybe way down the line when 4K technology's not that new, but gamers gamers can't afford this stuff. Like gamers really spend every penny they have on video games. I know this from experience because I do it. And why am I going to drop another three, four hundred dollars on an Xbox console when I don't have a 4K television? What you know, there's no point in that for me. But as far as like the the consoles go, I think that PlayStation is going to win it out because you know I'm an Xbox person too. But when you really look at the lineup of games that each of these systems has to offer, PlayStation Four has so many more cool games, like not just out but coming out. Like yeah, you, you know, like you said, Uncharted. That's something I would definitely be interested in playing. But you have you have uh, Horizon. You have the Final Fantasy VII remake. You have I don't know, just more more choices, whereas the Xbox is relying solely on Gears of War, which was fantastic, and a failing Halo franchise. I, ju- I just feel like they really need something more to pull gamers back towards Microsoft because everything you can play on Sony, like the, the big games like Call of Duty, Battlefield, you know, all, all that other stuff, they can play on both consoles. So it's, there's not really a lot of driving factors there. So before we get out of here, I'm going to have you both do some plugs for your stuff, your projects coming up. Josh, I will start with you first off, because I want to talk a little bit about Ghost Toasters. You notice I didn't send you my thoughts on it yet. It's because I wanted to share it with you 
right here on the radio, so to speak. Uh-oh, Uh-oh indeed. Um, if everybody gets a chance, they can go to our page. Again, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. On the side is a special project, a series that, that Josh has done called Ghost Toasters. And, and right now up on there is episode one and also episode two, parts one and part two. And in particular, if you get a chance, check out if my favorite was episode two, part two, which I think ends right now. For the time being, the Ghost Toasters on a very strong note. So tell us a little bit more about Ghost Toasters and what people can expect from when they watch it. What what I, what I love about about it is that it is so stupid and it, it's so easy to make and it's so funny. Like it's so much fun to make and people watch it. So that's like as as someone who creates things, you can't really ask for anything more than that. But it honestly, it was just an idea. It started out as an idea I had. You know, there's so many paranormal investigating shows on television, and they're all really like kind of the same thing. It's it's uh you know it's like HD remasters, but they're it's you know there's a formula to it. So I took everything that is kind of dumb about them and I turned them into jokes, and that basically is the concept of Ghost Toasters. Fair enough, indeed. So if you get a chance, check it out on YouTube, Ghost Toasters, or just pop right over to our site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, and it's right there on the sidebar where you can also find episodes of Wine, Women, and Words, and that leads us into Diana. What do you have going on with not only Wine, Women, and Words, but what do you want to go ahead and express to the fans out there and the listeners out there what exactly is coming up on your schedule? Well, with Wine, Women, and Words, we have a new book for the month. It's called The Lemon Collie Life of Annie Astor. And it's a really fun book. I recommend everybody checking out the book and joining in, reading along with us for our book of the month. Uh, at the end of the month, we will have uh, the author, Scott Wilbanks, on the show with us to talk about the book. Michelle already has a line of questions for him, so it should be a fun evening. Um, with Wine, Women, and Words, it's basically... You know, normal people match up their wine with their food. Michelle and I match up our wines with our books. So we try to focus a little bit on the wine, a little bit on the literature, and talk about current things going on in literature and uh, different topics. Um, We have an episode, last Thursday's episode was Surviving the Holidays and Books to Help You Survive Your Family During the Holidays. So we've got a fun list of words for uh, books for that. And then outside of that, I also have a blog called Creating Her Story, which is at creatingherstory.wordpress.com, where it's all um, historical fiction all the time. And I do book reviews. I do bios on uh, different women in history. Um, I'm trying to keep up with it because this month is uh, NaNoWriMo, National November Writers Month, which I am taking part in. So I am crazily writing as much as I can. I took a break for the show tonight because I had to give my fingers a rest. So coming up in this month, I'm hoping to get some, I've got a couple book reviews lined up to go out. And I just did an interview with the um, Italian American Museum in Los Angeles, which is a new museum that opened up in August. So that should be coming up on my blog this month. And you can find me at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. My little page is called the uh, Rebel Scout Chronicles, which is, based on me becoming a scout trooper because as of today we have my scout trooper hard gear pieces on order so i am going to be a member of the 501st before the year's out that's awesome congratulations i don't know how darth vader himself would put it lord vader but congratulations indeed 
So for Diana Tierney, Josh Peterson, and me, Gerald Glassford, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's another beautiful day in paradise. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.